Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of First United Methodist Church in Opelika. We'd love for you to join us for worship each Sunday at 9 o'clock or 10.30 a.m. To learn more about First United Methodist, visit us online at fumcopelika.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at fumcopelika. Thanks for tuning in. Scripture text this morning uh, comes from the book of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to begin to find Deuteronomy. It's right there towards the front. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can grab one off the hymnal shelf in front of you or the hymnal shelves on the front pews, on uh, the very front pews are down below you. Uh, I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 20. You can get your phone out and Google Deuteronomy 8, or the words are going to be on the screen uh, in just a minute as well. Uh, and out of reverence for the Lord and his word, would you stand with me now as we listen together for the word of the Lord. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pray with me. Please. Good Father, what a glorious gift it is to gather in this your space, your house. Lord, what a glorious gift it is to meet you here. And Lord, we long to gather in this place to encounter you, to have our lives transformed by you, to have uh, our hearts open to you, to worship you, to seek you, and to grow. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray even right now that you would come and speak to our hearts, that you would teach us and that you would shape us, that you would form us, that you would open our eyes, that we might awake to the fullness of the life that only comes through you. Meet us in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. In the summer, in between my senior year of high school and my first year of college, I worked as a student assistant uh, on the campus at Auburn uh, in one of the departments, uh, essentially doing whatever it was the administration or the faculty in that department came in each day and asked me to do. Uh, It was not the most glamorous job in the history of the world. To tell you the truth, I can't even remember uh, really anything that I did that summer. I would get up every morning and I would uh, go over to campus and I would sit in the office and they would give me things to do and I would uh, do them to the 
the best of my ability. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I would go home. Uh, and out of all the things that I can remember from that summer uh, that I spent working as a student assistant in that department uh, was a sign that hung above one of the secretary's desk in the main office. And the sign read this. It said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. If you don't write anything else down today, please write that down. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I was at a point in my life where I had just recently really committed myself to the Lord and was uh, really beginning to try and understand what it meant to live my life as someone who would uh, really seek to let Jesus be Lord, to follow the desires of what he wanted. And as I navigated my way from high school into college, uh, this phrase, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, really became kind of a guiding principle for my life. Uh, it helped me uh, as I began to kind of figure out what it looked like as a college student uh, to try and take seriously what God wanted and to walk uh, with him. And what I found out as I began to try and live my life seeking to follow the Lord and uh, walking into this place where uh, there was so much temptation and so much struggle is that sometimes it's hard to keep the main thing the main thing. Now I think if we were in the fellowship hall that would have gotten an Amen. But, but now we're back in the sanctuary, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I can't say anything. Uh, but the truth is, is that you already know this. You know that sometimes in your life it's easier to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, and, and I knew this because there were times as I navigated my way into college uh, that, that the main thing was right in the forefront of my mind. Uh, that I would be with people that would help me think about the Lord, that I would, uh, you know, be thinking about God. I would pray. I would spend time with the Lord. And, and then it felt like everywhere I turned, the main thing was the main thing in my life. But then there were other times uh, where the main thing became the forgotten thing. And what I realized is that it wasn't that I had ever consciously decided to say, I'm going to forget the Lord now, or I'm not going to focus on him. Uh, but it seemed that in the midst of all I was doing, I'd get focused on something I was interested in. I'd work hard, I'd be busy, and all these things. And before I knew it, the main thing had become the forgotten thing. This is nothing new. When the people of Israel were making their way through the wilderness, uh, they reached the culmination of the 40-year journey uh, that they had been making since they had been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and they had reached the culmination of this journey through the wilderness, and they were just yards away from entering into the promised land. Uh, this promised land was kind of the carrot on the stick that had been hung in front of them for uh, generations. All of the people who had been delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery, uh, in the house of Pharaoh, uh, they had all died. Uh, none of the people who were going to enter the promised land were the people who had seen Moses receive the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Uh, this was a whole new generation of people that had been raised up uh, and were now about to go and receive the blessing, the gift uh, that God was giving. Uh, that for all 40 years, for more than a generation of people, this was what they had striven, strive, strove? Shriven? My wife's the English major. This is what they had worked for. <laughs> and they were working there, and right before they get to the point 
where they are going to go into the promised land, Moses takes them, uh, and kind of like a a coach giving a pregame speech before they run out of the locker room, he gathers them together and he says, I need to challenge you and remind you. I want to draw your attention back to the Lord. I want to make sure as you go in and receive this gift that you have been yearning for for decades, that it doesn't destroy you. And so as he stands there in front of uh, all of these people, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, thousands upon thousands of people, as he stands there, uh, he reminds them all of the ways that God has been at work in their life through these 40 years. Uh, You can go back at the beginning of chapter 8 and you can see how incredible ways uh, Moses points out these are the things that God did all through the wilderness. Uh, That for 40 years you have depended on him to provide for you. That you've depended on him for food. Uh, That there's not a thing that you've done where he has not met you, where he has not been at work, where he has not provided for you, where he has not met your every need. And all through it, God was desiring your very best. That he wanted the very best for you. And so there were hard things, yes, But they were all designed to humble you and test you and strengthen you uh, so that you could live into the fullness of all that God wants for you. Guess what? There's good news here this morning because that's still true. Because God longs for you to live into the fullness of all he has. And we may walk through wilderness seasons. We may walk through hardships in our life. We may go through difficult places. But all of it is because God longs for us to walk into a place where we know the fullness and the richness of all that he wants to do for us. After Moses has painted this incredible picture of what it is that that God has done for them over these last 40 years, he then begins to paint this glorious picture of what it is that they're about to receive. And in maybe one of the most poetic parts of the early parts of the Old Testament, what we see is a description from Moses where where he's talking about that they're going to go into a place that is full That is a place of abundance, Uh, the place of scarcity where they were wondering what would happen next, that those days are going to be gone. Uh, And that they are going to receive the bounty of what God wants to give them in ways that they could have never imagined before. Some might say that it would be immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine. He walks through the, the fruits and the produce, the nuts, the flowing water, the, uh, all these things that they're going to get, the, the water that's going to spring up, the rushing water, all these things. He even gets into the, the details of the, the, the abundance that they're going to find in the minerals that will be in the ground. And he paints this picture to say, it will be astounding. And no sooner has he gotten all of them excited again about what's coming and what they can expect is that he stops and offers a challenge. He stops and offers a warning. He stops and he looks at all of those people gathered just yards away from going into this gift that God has been promising to them. And he says, don't let the main thing become the forgotten thing. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. There's this principle that we need to understand uh, this morning as we gather in this place that God can go and do and be anywhere that he wants to be. That he has all power, that he has all control, that he can uh, make anything happen. But yet there is a sense that God lives within a boundary 
that is limited to your and my finite mind. Because as long as we keep God in our active and living memory, in our work, in our attention, as long as we can keep our focus on him, God is active and living in our lives. And it isn't that God is absent or not alive or not at work when we are not actively engaging and thinking about him. But if we begin to let the presence of God leave our mind, if we begin to, to, to let the interaction and the active work of thinking and remembering the Lord drift out of our mind, then before we know it, God is absent. God is no longer at work. Once we begin to not be aware of what the Lord is doing, all kind of trouble ensues. Remembering the Lord leads to gratitude. Remembering the Lord leads to worship. Remembering the Lord leads to surrender. Remembering the Lord leads to God's plans advancing. Forgetting the Lord leads to destruction. Because what ends up happening when we forget the Lord is this slow, subtle shift happens. We don't consciously choose it, but what we find is that we begin to think, wow, look what I've gotten. And then that shifts into look what I've done. And before we know it, that incredible provision and all that God has given leads to pride. And then we begin to worship the gift instead of the giver. And then we begin to work really hard to protect it and keep it. And then we begin to say that we're entitled to it. And before we know it, we bow down at the altar of the false gods of comfort and public opinion and ease and convenience. All the while, cloaked in a picture of the gift that God gave to us. Moses knows that if they go in and receive this gift that God has given and they forget what God has done, if they go in and receive the gift that God has given but turn their attention away from the one who gave the gift, that it will lead to their destruction. Now, that's not God wagging his finger at them, trying to trap them or trick them, or say that he wants to punish them if they don't toe the line and do exactly what he wants. It's just kind of the way it works. It's like gravity. You can be angry at gravity all you want, but it's still gravity. And the truth is, is that if we forget the Lord, is that it will lead to our destruction. Forgetfulness leads to disobedience. And disobedience leads to our destruction. You probably don't need me to connect the dots for you in your own life. Because I bet you've walked this path somewhere. I bet you've seen this in some way. I bet you've walked through a season where uh, you found yourself calling out to God or depending on God in a way unlike you have ever before. Maybe it was a diagnosis. Maybe it was a difficult season. Maybe it was a struggle. 
And what you saw is that God provided, that God met you, uh, that he brought healing, that he restored you in a way greater than you could have ever asked or imagined. Maybe you've seen it in a reconciled or restored relationship. Maybe you've seen it in something around your career or a promotion or something that you strive for. Maybe you called out to God asking him to do something in a child's life or a grandchild's life, and you've seen God answer that. Maybe you called out to God asking him for a child, and God answered that. And in the moment, you were so deeply aware and present to how God had met you. You were grateful, you were praying, you were seeking him, you were yearning for him. But if you're at all like me, what ends up happening is no sooner than you've gotten that gift, then life begins to return to normal. That you get right back to sitting in the seat that you always sat in. That you get right back to going through the well-worn motions and paths of what life looked like before that. And if you aren't intentional then all of what you experienced as a gift kind of drifts away. And all of what God longed to do ends up being left in the rearview mirror. Let me speak directly to our church. Don't let this sanctuary destroy you. Some of you, for 40 years, like that wilderness, have literally longed for this day. Some of you can remember the very first time that a comment was made that maybe we should renovate the sanctuary. Rick, I think you had been here about 25 years then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you have thought that we can't really have church unless we gather in this space. Some of you show up today so excited about the space that you may be more focused on the gift than you are on the giver. And what will happen for us as a church is if we forget the Lord is that this thing that's been given as a gift, this thing that's been given by the Lord, this thing that's been given to be the starting point of a new generation of ministry, will become a religious icon devoid of the power of God. Over these last 10 months, God has been at work in incredible ways. God has been moving and stirring and working just last Sunday, I asked lots of you to turn in cards of gratitude of how you've seen God at work. And the things that I read on the cards were just astounding. Things like this, willingness to let him take the reins of my life. Trust him as he leads me out of my comfort zone. Our people have loved and served each other deeply. We've seen two people baptized. One stood and renewed her faith. We've seen $7 million given, pledged to God's work. Our people have been renovated and transformed. I've continued to develop my relationship with God, and so has my husband. We are all much better in faith than we were initially. 
I've stepped back into church. I'm closer to God, my family, and my church family. He has graced me with a peace I've never experienced before. He has carried me through a very difficult season and brought me joy and peace when it seemed like those would not return. I've seen God at work in my family, in my marriage, and in my home. We have moved from being church attenders to having a church family. The work of God has only begun. He has used the season we've walked through to draw us to himself. But he is not finished. There is more that he wants to do. But if we choose to forget the Lord, if we focus on the gift instead of the giver, all of that will end up in the rearview mirror and the thing that was given as a gift, the thing that was given to draw us to him, will lead to our destruction. Don't let the sanctuary destroy you. God has given glorious gifts. He's done it in your life. He's done it in mine. But if we aren't careful, they will lead to our destruction. Remember the Lord. Pray with me, please. Gracious Father, we give you thanks for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, we give you thanks for the provision that you have given to us and the ways that you are at work in our midst. Holy Spirit, we pray now that you would meet us as we come to remember your gifts and your work through the gifts at this table. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.